0: Hey, everyone, this is Chris and Sandy, bent with The Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists, and as I say on every show, we got a great one for you today, because we always do. we got Angie K coming on. She's really great. She's done some great things in music, and I think you're going to love her story. So, Angie, are you here?
1: I'm here. I'm here.
0: How are you doing?
2: Hi. I'm doing pretty good. And my
0: wife is here, too.
2: Yes, I'm here now. Hi. <laughs> hey, Sandy. <laughs> Hey.
0: Yeah, we got a 15 month old, so or 16 month. I keep saying
3: 15 months. months. Yeah. Already- now, <laughs> now now and, 16 um, months. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> and so we have to put her down and all that, and so Sandy kind of put out at, at the beginning. And we've got an eight year old um, little boy mm-hmm. that you'll hear from later because we always have him ask a question also on the show.
1: Yes. Boy, you guys are so a handful. We,
0: yeah, yeah i try yeah, to We Yeah, pretty all this.
2: busy around here. Two kids.
0: <laughs> and all from home. It's like <laughs> a madhouse. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, it is. Usually a madhouse.
0: <laughs> so, how are you feeling right now with all the coronavirus? I mean, how has it affected you personally?
1: Well, you know, a lot of, uh, well, all of the shows that I had got shut down till 2021. So, that was a. Uh, a tough pill to take, but I've been very fortunate to have, been like, it's just an incredible fan base that feels a little more like family, and uh, everything mm-hmm. that I've put out, I've put out, like, private Zoom concerts, I've put out, like, a secret oh, wow. solo rights album, um, and that I just <laughs> actually sold out of today, um, so I've just, oh, wow. you know, I've been feeling overwhelmed, overwhelmingly grateful for the people that I've met along my journey that, that stick around and that still, you know, whenever I feel bad about, you know, humanity, watching the news, I remember that the reason I get to do what I do is because a lot of people made a small decision to uh, to support my songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think yes. that's the thing that people forget
0: about in this day and time. You know, if you jump off social media and jump off the news and just actually get out in the world, you see humanity a little different. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So um, as we get started here, what are some hobbies you, you do outside of music?
1: Uh, I love beaching. I love I love hitting the surf. Um, I live in Nashville now, so that's a little bit harder than before <laughs> I lived in San Diego, so that was awesome. Um, and I was born hit- mm-hmm. no? in... What is
3: that? That's weird.
1: My dog. Pretty much.
0: Did you hear that? I did. Angie, did you hear that?
1: Uh, I'm not totally sure. I heard like a little
0: oh, hiccup. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> that's <weird>. I'm not <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, it was some kind yeah, of like you, almost
0: that, emergency that's the thing, alert. When you do type live, shows, thing. You what, live shows, you never know what's going to happen with live shows. Technology.
3: <laughs> True. Technology <laughs> <Yeah>. is there. <laughs> but
0: you know what? We just roll with it and move on. That's right. So, um, Absolutely. So tell, tell everybody a little bit about who you are where you're from, and a brief overview about you, because i like to get to know the artists, not just the music.
1: Yeah, my name's Angie Kay. I was born in a little country called El Salvador, but I moved to Georgia when I was 11 years old and uh, was in California for a few years and just moved to Nashville to work with Keith Gale and Jake Owen, who are co-managing me. Oh, wow. Awesome.
0: So you've done a lot already,
1: and you got to go farther. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's lucky. You know, I used to think um, everybody sees sees what looks like overnight, you know, success stories mm-hmm. as you're growing up. You know, so as a teenager, all I wanted was to get discovered by someone. Um, mm-hmm. so obviously, you know, once I turned, like, 18, I was like, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So I started playing, you know, open mics and going to places and begging, you know, little bars to hire me even though I was underage. And, uh, and I did that all the way for... Three years, and then I was discovered by oh, a producer wow. on The Voice. Um, I got mm-hmm. on The Voice on Single Lake, and then uh, I just kept oh, going, wow. kept touring. Did about, you know, I think I counted them up the other day, like well over a thousand five hundred shows. And yeah. um, and I loved every second of it. So now, like when when you get an opportunity, and it, you know, it's just easier to be grateful when you're fighting mm-hmm. to get seven people in the room, and now you're like you have a half capacity. You know, it's just. Yeah. It's so much easier for mm-hmm. me to look on the bright side because of the way that I've lived and the way that I've come up in the music industry. People aren't just fans, they're human beings with responsibilities mm-hmm. that take the time to come to your show, you know.
0: Yeah, and we definitely understand where you're coming from because you know, like like you said, you know, every overnight success is many years in the making and people just don't see that. You know, even with our show, you know, a lot of people see that we've had people like Cassidy Pope on the show and we've done your 140th interview and Mm -hmm. all that. And so some people are like, you know, wow, they've done all this in six months, but they don't realize we've been in the part of the music industry in some form for like seven years. So even though the show is six months old, this actually has been a seven-year vision here that we've been working on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing. That's amazing. But the world needs dreamers, you know, and and, you know, it's not, you can't just tell somebody, if anyone's listening and you're out there and you're dreaming and you're just so confused that you don't know what your next step is and you don't know, you feel like you failed a million times. Like you got to try another time and not just for yourself Mm -hmm. because the world needs people that wake up inspired. And like, even if you're touching Mm -hmm. one life, focus on that one person that's listening to your song because it's more important than you think. And that's, that's what's gotten me through all these years, even now to where, you know, I've, I've reached a level where, you know, maybe it's easier to lose sight of that.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny talking about, yeah. you know, keep trying and all that, as you're saying, you know, we've been married 17 years and in our marriage, I bet we have launched probably uh, over 100 different business ideas that all failed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah. Almost every type of industry you could almost name. Now, granted, if you're if you got to have a professional license, those industries we didn't try. But if you don't have a prof- professional license, you, probably every industry you can think of, we were there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin?
1: Did you guys get in on the Bitcoin craze?
3: I wish I, we would I, have. I, I'll be honest. I'm very
1: little. I, 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 you know,
0: I, I wish we could have got in around what 2010. I mean, I remember yeah, hearing a story with Bitcoin. I remember hearing a story where a guy wanted a pizza delivered, and he gave what was it, a thousand bitcoins? I think it was for for a
2: pizza or something, something like, that. like that for Back two then. large pizzas. I think it was <laughs> <laughs> nineteen dollars <laughs> worth of pizza, basically. I wish I I wish <laughs> I would
0: have been the person delivering that one. You know?
3: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, I also wish I would have sold if I had any in 2018 when it was at its peak.
1: 20, or hindsight's 2020. 20.
2: <laughs> and serious, I actually huh? had
0: friends that that at the end of 2018, right before the crash of it, I've got friends of mine that actually sold a lot
1: of it. Oh wow. So they stepped up. Yeah, out it's a crazy world. Right time. I and my <clears> rule is like. I invest enough in myself, and that's a risky enough business. But I'm just gonna—I'm gonna put all <laughs> my chips on me if I can. If <laughs> I can control me, if I can't control Bitcoin. <laughs> right. exactly.
0: So, what drives you now?
1: Uh, the fans, you know, like you know, I'm—I'm I'm in my late twenties now, which isn't mm-hmm. you know old. So, not to offend anybody, but like it's also not <laughs> your early twenties, and it's not a teenager, you know. So, like I've yeah. been through the. I just like I just got to get through this one so I can get to the next month because next month I'll be successful. I just got to get through this year so I can mm-hmm. get through next year. And then you do that over mm-hmm. and over again, and it, and you suddenly lose sight of all you've accomplished because you're so focused on what's coming up next. So I feel like I'm in a mm-hmm. place in my life where, gosh, I've really been able to soak in some good moments. Like when Jake Owen asked me to go on tour with him, I remember wow. just sitting there and watching the crowd and just being like this, this moment. I'm going <laughs> to soak in every second. I'm not going to think about tomorrow. I'm just going to be like, people would die to be standing where I'm standing right now and I get That's to stand true. here. So I'm just going to enjoy it. And I remember thinking like, I don't know if I would have enjoyed that moment, you know, at 20 years old. Um, so mm-hmm. I just, you know, what drives me is definitely seeing the white of the eyes of people that, that come to the shows, watch them tear up with me, watch them uh, smile with me, watch them laugh with me, you know, like mm-hmm. when it's a perfect night on stage, you just don't know who's doing the giving and who's doing the taking, and it's just perfect company, and I live for that holy grail. <laughs> and
0: I totally get what you're saying because, you know, there are moments where I'm like I wish the show would grow, I wish the numbers would get higher, I wish the money would come in because right now we're self-funding all this. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. But we have this dream and vision that one day we'll it'll be big like a Bobby Bones type show. But we're um, – but we've got this dream, and sometimes I have to forget. You know that I have to look back and look at some of the artists that we've had, and people like you on, and Cassidy Pope, and Anna Christina Cash, and Carleen Carter, and a lot of the dif- different people that we've had on. And I'm sitting there like, okay, a lot of people who are hosts would kill to have some of the artists that we've had on our show, and that kind of helps me to st- get back grounded.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think we're coming from the same place.
0: <clears throat> so, at what age did you know that this was what you wanted to do with your life, and you could do it as a career?
1: Oh, those are two separate moments for me. I think I I knew I wanted to be a singer since I can remember. Like even as a little kid, I'd turn off the TV mm-hmm. and make a whole family. I have four sisters, and I'd make them all listen to my new song, which obviously they loved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. They were very upset with me turning off the TV, but. Um, yeah, I, I begged my mom for my first guitar, and um, no I just, I loved, I loved performing. And I think, looking back, I, I'm i not sure if it was 100% just my love of music, because I mm-hmm. think it was really just me really wanting a space to say something, because I always felt a little bit awkward, yeah. which is one of the reasons why I'm such a big advocate for music in schools, because I don't know where my mm-hmm. place would have been if I didn't have a spotlight in and a, and a mic and yeah. a guitar and be able to say something and people just sit down and listen and, and people applaud. Yeah. Like I think back to some of my first open mics and people should have booed, man. I was horrible, but no one does that. Everyone applauds because it's not just about the song and the way it sounds. It's about the,
3: mm-hmm.
1: someone trying being vulnerable in front of you is healing regardless of, of what it yeah. sounds like, you know? And, uh, and I think that's where I fell in love with performing and, and playing music. And then later on, I went to college for engineering at Georgia Tech on a scholarship and I uh, I got two years in and I, I really hadn't made a ton of close friends because every weekend I'd go to some open mic in Atlanta or, you know, I was on my own a lot and I was working full time too. Mm-hmm. And then finally I just was like, I can't not do music and I will regret yeah. it for the rest of my life if I don't go all <laughs> out with this. And so I did, you know, I, I knew I needed to find a way to make money because I was really mm-hmm. broke at the time. And uh, I needed, if I was going to tell my parents I was going to quit college on a scholarship, I needed a plan at <laughs> least. And no bar I asked would hire me on a regular basis. And even if they did, it was once a week, so that would be like $400 <laughs> a month. Um, so finally I got this idea of biking to work one day. It started to pour down rain. My car had broken down. It was a pretty low moment in my life. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got it. And I, I got so animated, so excited. I was like, I'm going to work on a cruise ship as a singer and a, and a guitar player, and then I won't have to pay for rent or anything and just save my money and buy oh, a computer wow. and buy all the things I wow. need. And I was so excited to get to work on jazz and telling all my coworkers about my crazy idea. And then it,
4: it took <laughs> me like,
1: I went to Google obviously cause I had no idea how to get hired on a cruise ship. I submitted mm-hmm. my video to like all these different places. Finally, someone reaches out and says, we'd like to submit you for a ship. Someone just got fired. So you have to be ready to go in two weeks. I was like, the semester just ended I'm oh, wow. there. So I call my mom a week before I'm going and I'm like, Hey, I'm gonna go live on a cruise ship and play music. Worst case scenario, I come back and finish my degree, but I just I've gotta do this. And obviously mm-hmm. she was just thrilled. <laughs> I'm
3: kidding. <laughs> she was very sad. <laughs>
1: Understandably so. Um but Yeah. So I hop on a cruise. Yeah. I didn't even have I told them I knew three hundred songs, I knew like fifty. I uh, I didn't even have a real guitar, so I had to go to – like I had one that you had a mic up, like not one you could plug in. And so I had to go mm-hmm. to the guitar center, apply for my first credit card, buy my first guitar, which I've actually – it was a Seagull guitar, and I'm actually sponsored by them now, which is pretty cool. And uh, and I hopped on that ship, and every time somebody told me a request I didn't know, I would have it by the next day, and now I have over 2,000 oh, covers. Wow. And, and truth be told, with all of my stuff being gone – all of my shows, Mm -hmm. going back to doing like smaller bar sets and intimate stuff and doing concerts with requests and doing live shows, me having all those covers, being able to entertain a crowd that's not necessarily there to hear, uh, you know, 30 minutes of originals or an hour of originals has been really Mm -hmm. useful. So it's all come really full circle the last couple months. Oh, wow. Ain't it
0: amazing how as you go through life, Little different points to where you learn this, learn that, learn this, and then it, you come to a moment, and it, it's like everything just falls in place. Like, oh, now I know why all of this happened for this
1: moment. Truly, truly, there are mo- and it's not even—it's that—it's that that moment's always there. You're just not mm-hmm. looking for it all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I—I uh, I was listening to this podcast, uh, and this guy was basically saying, like, when was the last time you felt overjoyed? Like, truly. Like incredibly Mm -hmm. happy. And he was like, was it graduation? Was it, you know, a birthday? Was it, you know, all these, he was listing all these like random moments that we give ourselves permission to be really (laughs) happy. And he was like, why Mm -hmm. did you feel happy? And it was like, because the moment allowed you to be because you were allowed to feel overjoyed because who wouldn't be overjoyed Mm -hmm. on your birthday, you know?
4: And he was mm-hmm, like, you can exactly. tap into
1: that same energy if, you, if you're like, oh, my gosh, the sky is blue today. How, like, more the last time you really celebrated the weather the way you would mm-hmm. celebrate a birthday? And it's like, you can't. And yeah. that's, I think, yep. the secret to, to living a good mm-hmm. life and being authentic and, and writing good music.
0: And, you know, that's so true, with, what you were just saying about him and all that. Because when you look at life, um, yeah, you got some big moments. But you don't have the big moments without – without thousands of little moments that are amazing.
1: Yeah, that's so true. That's very true.
0: So tell us a little bit about Love Lives On, that project. So that's
1: a perfect leeway, actually. So I, you know, having moved to Nashville and swinging for the big leagues, the way that Mm -hmm. I interact with music feels very different. So when I go into a write, it's not about, hey, this has been heavy on my mind, or my girlfriend just got in a fight and I want to write about it or whatever it is. It's more like, how do we write a song that applies to a lot of people that could fit on the radio? And that's a very different way of writing music. And I enjoy the challenge of it, truly. But it is very different from the organic way of just wanting to say something the way you want to say it, you know?
3: Yeah. And
1: so when I walked into the Love Lives On project, thanks to Frank Myers, who wrote a ton of number ones like I Swear and uh, <laughs> uh Oh, and from wow. the front porch looking in, just a ton of big songs. Mm-hmm. He calls me and he asks me to be a part of this project. And obviously, when Frank Myers asks you to do something, the answer is always going to be yes. Like, this man is a legend.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so later
1: on, he tells me the details. And I, I'm not going to lie. I got a little mm-hmm. nervous. He was like, so this is put on by the CAPS organization. TAPS stands for Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Mm-hmm. If your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, anyone in your family passes away overseas serving this country, Mm-hmm. One of the first people you will hear from is the tax organization and they will say, What do you need? How can we help you? Yeah. And it it's such a big mm. deal to me because hearing this woman talk about how she started the organization, uh, she had lost her husband and that's when she realized mm-hmm. there's no there was no such organization that existed like this. And oh, she wow. started it, she took on an incredibly heavy burden and a huge responsibility. Uh, in a very, it's a dark world, but a place where that de- desperately needs healing and, and people to enter into. And so that's what the TAPS organization does. And they decided to, to partner with Frank Myers uh, and a couple of really amazing sponsors to create an album of songs that were written by professional mm-hmm. songwriters and the families of those that lost the soldier overseas. So I walked wow. into a room with, um, I felt like I was the least qualified, to be honest, because I was writing with Marv <laughs> Green, who's uh, like... Every Tim McGraw song you can think of, and a million others. <coughs> he wrote, wrote "Shotgun Rider," already right, like it was just one of my favorite songs. Uh, and then I wrote with Wood Newton, who is like Saving Private Malone and a ton of other classics. And so we walk into this room and we meet this uh, this amazing man named Jay, and he lost his wife serving overseas ten years ago. She had set, was sent overseas for a humanitarian uh, mission, really to set up medical tents on base. And somebody had gotten into the base with a with an S vest, with a, with a suicide vest uh, bomb, and it went off, and, and she didn't end up surviving. She was just out for a morning run. Oh. And uh, it was very emotional in the room with him, and hearing him talk about something, it was very clear he hadn't talked about in a very long time. And he said mm-hmm. it, his daughter's now 13, and he's remarried with a beautiful family and, and, and uh, another daughter. And he was like, he didn't know how to... Talk to his daughter about her mom, her biological mom, wow. uh, without fearing that he would lose control and cry because he didn't want,
3: yeah, he
1: didn't want his daughter to see her, uh, him cry and and lose control.
3: Mm-hmm. But he
1: could tell she was thinking of her because she was putting up a she put up a picture in her bedroom and uh, when they would run together she would do little things that reminded him of her. And so we were like, well, it sounds to me like we needed to write that song of you telling your daughter about this amazing soldier, your amazing ex-wife, your amazing, this amazing human being that lived, that gave her life, um, and finding a way to tell those words from that perspective. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's what we did. And that's why the chorus is, uh, when you run, I see so much of her in you. um, And it's the very end of the chorus. It's such a powerful line. It's, because this is what he said, and me and Marvin would look at each other <clears> and we're like, that's, what, that's the, the cornerstone of the song. And he said, she doesn't even get that. As long <clears> as I've been carrying her, she's been carrying me
2: too. I get a little yeah. emotional
1: every time I say that line. But it was really, uh, um, really powerful to see a father yeah. that carried so much for his daughter and also see the price. Of freedom and the the price of us Mm -hmm. living in this country, which I'm very aware of. Considering I lived in a third world country for half of my life, well, till I was 11. Um, So being able to bike just to the neighborhood pool without my mom around—that to me was like the epitome of like freedom. And I still get to do that Mm -hmm. every day. I just don't recognize it as much. So I just, to me, it was a very uh, awakening experience. I after that, I toured overseas and did a a full tour with the the with the USO and and played a bunch of bases. And I think it's definitely created a lifelong relationship with me wanting to make sure that I, I do what I can for those who serve.
0: That is, I love that story. And in a little while we'll be playing that song. So Mm -hmm. before we do, I always like to flip the script as, you know, you, you talked about some high moments in your life so far. And I always like to go the other way, too, because I think that a lot of people, they they see the glory that you're in the middle of, but they don't see the grind. They don't see the sacrifice of what it really takes to make it as an artist at any level. It doesn't matter whether you're a Blake Shelton or someone just getting started. You know, It takes a lot for an artist to do what they need to do. So I'm going to tell a little story of where I want this to go. Um, back in 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steele Girls, and at that time, her and her daughter were full-time with music. One of the questions I asked was, "What advice would you give an up-and-coming artist?" And she said, "This is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time, but if your heart will not allow, you, will will allow you to do anything outside of music, go do that and keep music as a hobby." She goes, "Once you want it as a career, you everything changes." She says, "Yes, it's your passion, but it's now your job." So you might have a really bad day today, but tonight if you've got a gig, you've got to get up on there and smile like there is no tomorrow. She goes, we don't do birthdays. We don't, do, we don't get to do ho- holidays. In fact, most holidays is when you make your most money when we make as an artist. Yeah. yeah, so you don't get to do all that. And, and, P, and your friends and relatives, they don't understand this. So, she says, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because that's the only way those kind of sacrifices will ever be worth it. What do you think of what she said? And let's go on that side of it a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I think I, it's funny because I've had the exact same conversation when people walk up to me and they say,
3: mm.
1: "And I, I wish I would stuck with music." And I'm like, "If you were mm. meant to be with music, you would you would you would be doing it. It would be worth not having a family <laughs> and like a stable yeah. relationship." And you know, you you do sacrifice a lot. But at this, that mm-hmm. being said, you know. I think another thing I tell a lot of younger artists um, when mm. I speak, I every, every once in a while I'll speak at an elementary or middle school, and I explain, like, everybody, every, if I told you that you've got to go out in the field and pick strawberries for 12 hours a day and you will be a millionaire, you do it. It doesn't matter how hard it was. It would be easy because mm-hmm. you know what you were getting. Yeah. The, the trouble comes from the worry. Like, truly, like, the hard part isn't driving eight hours and playing a show. Anybody can do that if they believe they'll be successful on the other side. Anybody can do that. But it's learning how to mentally be like, what if I don't ever become super, you know, financially sound? And then wake up every day, you know, at 6 a.m., get your work done, get on your computer, learn about the music business, figure out how to make a budget, figure out how to you know, do your own accounting, do your own taxes, learn how mm-hmm. to um, you know, put together a real tour budget and, and understand how to maybe solicit sponsorships. When you learn how to do the back end of that, you have to learn also how to let go of the worry that it won't be worth anything. Yeah. So that's that, the only way for me to do that, the only way you survive the music business is to hold your purpose to a higher calling, mm-hmm. you know? So if your goal is just to make money, you'll drop out faster than a <laughs> gnat on a, on a zapper light. Like it just won't, it yeah. won't work. But if your purpose is you to make a real difference, like my whenever I look back on my mission, it is at the mm-hmm. end of a show, you will have a moment with somebody else in that crowd, whether they're a stranger or the person that you walked in there with, that'll bond you closer. And when you need that person, you'll be able to call them because mm-hmm. of that strong moment that you had. At, at my show, and I watch yeah. people, and I purposely go out of my way to make special moments between people, whatever I can, because to me that's my purpose, and that's what wakes me up in the morning, so I think I think you have to find a way to get rid of the worry that you won't be successful in a mm-hmm. in a non purposeful way, and if you can do that, then you can get through the mental side, and if you can get through the mental side, the work is easy.
0: You know talking about what you just said. I've got public speaker friends who've spoken in front of thousands of people, and sometimes they say that they've told me they the best advice they've given us when you're on that stage speaking. And I, and I guess you just kind of set it for singing, where that that they find one person in that audience that you can tell is really into what they're saying, and they focus
1: on that person, and it makes everything mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's that's <coughs> a huge. It's harder as a as a musician, too, because in bars, and I know anybody here that does, that's listening to this that has ever played music in a bar, it sometimes feels like not a soul is listening to you, but <laughs> you have to also remember, people are listening even if they're talking.
4: Yeah. Like, sometimes you yeah, have exactly. to even,
1: play, yeah, so it's even, sometimes it has to be even, it doesn't always, and it's much harder to do when nobody's paying attention, their backs are towards you, but there's someone there, you have to just believe, and that takes, that takes faith and faith takes work. Like, you know, and I'm not a super religious person that I would say that I'm a specifically, a, you know, yep. a Christian or, you know, mm. uh, go mm-hmm. to adhere to a specific religion, but I definitely believe the people that I've met in my life that I have wanted to be around more than anyone mm-hmm. else have been people grounded in faith, regardless yep. of how they define that term, you know, and it yep. means that they can exactly. relax. They don't try too hard. They don't, uh, try too little they sit in a comfortable line of observing and listening and also interacting you know
0: yeah our marriage has been nothing but faith we met 17 years ago online we t- you know we met on february 2nd of 02 talked on the phone for the first time february 4th we set a wedding date march i mean wow. february 18th and we and we met march 4th so we were actually meeting to see who we were going to marry we already knew we was marrying
4: yeah, just, wow, and we
0: both felt like God was here with us, and we just always felt that. And, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in the 17 years that we've been married, we can look back and say, you know what, There were those were the moments where there's nobody that can convince me that we are not supposed to be together.
1: Yeah, it and it takes, takes faith like that too. Like I remember my mm-hmm. dad telling me once, like, <clears throat> And my parents have been married for 40 years or so. He was like, you know, it'll never make perfect sense to have a child or to get married. It'll never, if you're looking to check a bunch of boxes, it's never going to, you're never going to, it's never going to like logically make sense to be with the same person with the rest of your life, considering all the different variables and factors that can change you. He was like, but sharing Mm -hmm. time with someone, looking back and seeing memories together is a greater Mm -hmm. gift than you can imagine. And I was like, you know, sometimes you just, you gotta, you gotta believe you know.
0: Yep, you got to just step out and move forward, and and I think that's what anything in life. It don't matter whether it's marriage, whether it's a business, whether it's an artist. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're going to do anything great. It's going to take faith. You know, like like I've heard a quote one time that's you know when you look at the word life, half of life is if.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: you know, and you just don't know. So, but but you can't sit at home wondering, well, what if this, what if that? You just have to go and and believe that it's all going to work out. And even if it don't work out the way you want it, it'll work out the way it's
1: supposed to. Truly. And that, that enables you to calm down enough to see your options. You know, they say like, mm-hmm. they say if you mm-hmm. were to expect something versus worry, the a clarity yeah. that you will see at the problems in front of you will be very different.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen to that. And we're going to yes. take a quick break, and we're going to play your your song now. You can, you know, you, you carry me, too. I love the song. Really powerful song. Um, and then we're going to come back and talk about that. How does that sound? That sounds great.
2: Okay. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at the thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast
4: you to know how much she loved you so much to tell you about the one who gave you that smile she was as tough as they come with a beautiful kindness fearless every step of every mile and when you run I see so much of her in you The way you lean into the pain And keep pushing yourself through And when you smile Just the way that she used to I want you to know As long as I have carried you You carry me
0: powerful song
2: oh yes beautiful song thank you
0: so that you know i remember you told the story of that song earlier that has a lot of responsibility on you don't it
1: oh yeah yeah it was definitely very um <laughs> very nerve-wracking coming in but like i said like the people <laughs> i was riding with were top notch marv green and and wood newton mm-hmm. so it, it definitely made it a lot easier walking in there with them
0: that is really cool. Now, one thing I like to do on our show is, um, you know, as you know, when fans see artists like you, they see the artist, but they don't see what it, what it takes to make the artists like the PR people, the managers, the producers. They don't see none of that. They, you know, and to be honest, I feel like they don't get enough recognition because without them, you can't do what you do. So I always like to let the artists take a couple minutes, but just tell us a little bit about your team that helps you be who you are.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty small. It's called Good Company Entertainment. It's a company created by Keith Gale and and uh, and Jake Owen and John and Alina, and uh, they came together basically saying they wanted to create a management company that was artist focused and and had the resources to bring somebody to have a purpose to to re- to live mm-hmm. their purpose. And and I uh, mm-hmm. I'm wow. so unbelievably grateful to have met them when I was younger, people always said, you know, when you're ready for a manager, the manager will find you. It's some of the most annoying (laughs) advice to get. And I catch Mm -hmm. myself saying it and it bothers me, but it's true. Like these guys very organically found me through a mutual friend that I had met years earlier and Mm -hmm. we met and, and they were very, they were the ones very, very interested in working with me. So I think because it happened that way, we're all, we all have the same views on, the purpose of our music and, and the purpose of our shows and being aligned in, in that fundamental way and our mm-hmm. values aligning. That has enabled us to just really do some pretty incredible things since we worked together.
0: So what does your parents think now? You know I know you said that oh, they are the, the first biggest that fans car, going to do a...
3: <laughs> the so biggest tell fans us a
0: parent story. You know, I always like to hear a parent story where where now grant i'm sure they would go above and beyond every day i get that but i want but something that stands out tell us a parent story where they went above and beyond and it and it's that one of the moments where you were like wow they actually get this is my passion
1: um well this is an interesting one so when i was younger i think i was in middle school my sister really wanted violin lessons. And so my mom paid $80 an mm. hour for my sister to get violin
3: lessons.
1: And I decided I really wanted vocal lessons. And so my mom said, Hello. okay, but if I get you vocal lessons, just like your sister, I'm going to wake you up three times a week at six in the morning before school <laughs> and you have to practice. She's like, I'm not paying $80 for you to go practice with someone that could teach you things. And I was like, yeah, totally. Just the same way every kid says they want a puppy, you know, I was like no problem. Yeah. Easy." <laughs> and, uh, and so I went in and I got my, my vocal lessons and sure enough, every three days a week she would wake me up and I would go downstairs and I'd practice my scales. And mm-hmm. I really believe that has helped me enormously in being able to sing for four hours a day, six days a week, at once at a time, you know, on wow. cruise ships and then, you know, playing on Broadway. And it really does make a difference if you know what you're doing. And I hated her for it, for sure. <laughs> but uh, she had my best interest at heart. And even though she never expected me to do a career in music, she believed fully in if you mm-hmm. invest money, you also invest mm-hmm. yourself and and it's a lesson yeah. that I definitely took with me forever. So like if I'm going to you know buy you know buy an album, I'm also going to invest in the time mm-hmm. of learning how to market the album and get it out into the world and, and write my press releases and so I I realized mm-hmm. that the money isn't the only thing that you need to be what you yeah. want to be, I guess. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um and we we always love the parent story. Now, granted, I always wait to make sure they bring up parents before I ask, because sometimes parents
3: do not agree oh, yeah.
0: with what they're doing. <laughs> so oh, I always yeah, like yeah. to try to try to hear what they're saying if they bring up parents in the conversation. And okay, I I can go there. And you know, I I love the stories of the parent of the parents because again, you know, we got an eight year old and a sixteen month old. And you know, I I would hope oh, I would be one of them parents where, where as they as they get older, that whatever the passion is. I can support that because I don't, I never want to be the parent that takes that passion away from them. And it was God that placed it in them. I, I can't yeah. be that parent, you know? And yeah. so I, it, it really warms my heart when I hear the parent stories and you know what, and you know what, because of a parent story, we perfect lead in for our eight year old. We always have him ask one question on show, you know, so we're kind of getting his feet wet for the show. Um, he's kind of our third co-host <laughs> so Sandy's going to get him on real quick to ask his question and stuff. And, you know, when Caitlin gets older, guess what? We'll plug her into the show, too. I love yeah,
4: that's that, too, great. Christopher. Auntie, what's your favorite food? My
1: favorite food is probably mm. southern fried chicken. I love some mm. good southern fried chicken. That sounds good right about now.
4: <laughs> mhm.
0: <laughs> What's yours, little Chris?
4: Pizza.
0: Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, he, he he could eat pizza, for, and he comes and goes as you see quick. But he he could eat pizza all day long.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <clears throat> so if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and what would you want to write about?
1: Oh, Johnny Cash. I don't, I'm not oh, sure he's going to co as much as would just let you sit in the room with him. <laughs> he seems to really, you know. I mean, there's nothing that you've ever heard Johnny Cash write that didn't feel like it was written by Johnny Cash. So, like, I think I would just. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I would love to just talk that, to him and, and actually ask him questions. What would be curious. your first question to him? I think I'd want to know. I guess I kind of want to know what certain songs were about, like, I mean, Johnny and June, yeah. right? like, or, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's interesting there, his whole life, and then also, I'm kind of curious to, I'd want to know, I'd want to know his relationship between drugs and writing, honestly, because I read some of his stuff, and I wonder if, honestly, it didn't actually mean anything, and then other stuff I read, I'm like, this is so deep, it's, like, surreal, and I wonder if sometimes be <laughs> yes. put out there, I'm like, you you were high. Like you were not <laughs> You were not writing something. <laughs> you know, it's kinda like the Beatles they have yeah. written so many great yeah. songs and then there's like obla oh, dee, obla oh, da and you're like, Okay, so mm. you just put something yeah. out for fun. So I would be I'd be really curious to see what songs were written from a state of like clarity and what songs were written mm-hmm. just kind of to pass that would the be time. because. And, yeah, because he's never going to say that in an interview because people love yeah. all of his songs. But I do believe there were some songs that were basically just like, yeah, just words together in a song,
0: you know. Yeah, one of the um, artists that we brought on, I, I can't remember who it was, but one of them, the, the, um, of the more legends. And I can't remember because we've done 140, so I was trying to remember who said what. But he was yeah. friends with Johnny. And he, he talked oh, about wow. that at Johnny's peak of the alcoholism, he says, you could tell – that he was going downhill because he would get on stage yeah. and he'd literally sing one line and tell his band go next song. He said, "I'm done."
3: Yeah, I think he said, wow. he said he, he did did that a bunch said of that. Times.
2: Pretty sure.
3: Oh, yeah, but,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but he That's but crazy. he said that Johnny would 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 just sing one line from
3: each song. Yeah,
1: but it just goes to show you like how badly people needed to <laughs> make money around him because. They're the ones that put him up on a stage knowing he was that bad off, you know. And see, I went through get years addictions. Well, getting to, yes, absolutely. But, I mean, addiction means rehab, and rehab means no money for his team. So it's it's very interesting Mm -hmm. to me to have seen at a level where I'm not, you know, really famous, and I went on tour with very famous people and watching how little people say things to their face because, like, the celebrity is the boss. No if you get if somebody gets mad at you, you're fired. So like no yeah. one, no one is going to say, mm-hmm. Hey, if you're really feeling sick, don't go on stage. Hey, if you're really feeling mm-hmm. broken hearted, don't go on stage. If you don't feel like you can do that, no one is saying that. Everyone's like, if you don't get on that stage, we're not gonna feed our kids. Yeah,
3: so it's the opposite. like
1: you're a commodity as much as you are a person and it's, you have to be very careful with the people you put in your inner circle because you need mm-hmm. honesty, you know, at, at, a, at, the, at a very difficult level. So I think yeah. I definitely got to see that from the outside in and it definitely taught me a lot of lessons about, um, about how important it is to, to keep your friends close and work on mm-hmm. those relationships cause you'll need them, you know?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, his story always intrigues me because um, I went through 19 years of addictions until 12 years ago until I felt like God healed me from those. But the first five years of our marriage was really pecked on my wife, and I really feel like if she didn't do some of the things that she did to love me through them, I would not be standing here today. And when you hear his Johnny's story, June saved his life, and
3: mm-hmm. I feel
0: the same way that Sandy saved my life. So it's amazing how what a woman can do. When a person's addicted, and it don't always
1: work that way, but a lot of times it does. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, what you really, you know, you say a woman, but the truth is, what we really want is is love at a level what we can't earn. Mm-hmm. And what's so difficult about our world mm-hmm. right now is we don't like to ask <laughs> for things that we feel like we can't earn because it, it's like the ultimate yeah. level of vulnerability. So, like, you know, being able to say. I don't think I can do this today or I can't do this. Like if someone actually respond with empathy instead of anger, that's that's yeah. enormously powerful and finding somebody, and mm-hmm. truly the people that are able to do that, in my opinion, are people that have a very strong faith that understand that yeah. whatever's on the surface level doesn't mm-hmm. affect the kindness and the empathy they show to, you know, yeah. their fellow human beings. And
0: that's what I had with Sandy. Cause again, you know, some people, when we, when we tell our story, Not everybody says this, but some people would say she allowed me to walk over her those beginning years, and that's not really true. She actually allowed me to experience God's pure love through her because, again, she just had this pure heart about her, and she loved me and loved me and loved me so much that I had no choice to eventually change. And it got to the point to where I was feeling miserable because I was destroying her, and I knew that and until all that but again it was one of the moments to where a god moment in my life where i just knew it was time to change and that was 12 years ago and been sober ever since
1: That's amazing. I love that. So no going to Jackson for you too.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <clears throat> and and i love telling our story to different people because you just you know you never know who's listening. Who might be going through that? Right. What you know, in the middle of it. Yeah. And, and again, you have to also, as a spouse, know where your limits are. Because again, I never cheated on her, and I never hit her. So though, but no. I crossed almost every other line outside of that.
3: <laughs> uh, you know, and if
0: I'd have crossed those lines, she bad. probably would have. But not those. Not two. So bad. again, I, mm-hmm. when we tell our story, I don't want people to say oh, well, I just should take the punishment. No, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> you you no. really need to feel like listening to God, and if you feel like you're supposed to stay, because she really felt like that God brought us together for a purpose. And she just, at that time, didn't know what it was for <laughs> in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. But she And so that held her tight through those first four or five years until all of a sudden God worked on me enough to where I finally opened up and, here we are, seventeen years later.
1: That's amazing. That's an incredible story.
0: Well thank you. So staying on the subject of songwriting, is there a song out there that you've heard that you're that you're like, I wish I wrote that?
1: Probably, humble and kind, I think is beautiful. I think one. it's just an amazing song.
0: Especially in this time.
1: Yeah. Oh yes it is.
0: I know it was from a few years ago, but it would be, like,
1: it's, like, perfect for right now. It would. Truly. Truly. And I like how the end of the song is, like, riding around with your windows down having a root beer popsicle. Like, I mean, it's just, like, it's so dumb. (laughs) Everybody, there's been a moment of complete peace driving around and having, like, your favorite little gas station snack. And it's, like, that's happiness. And it's so so interesting (laughs) to me that all over the world, in El Salvador, where I'm from, in Mexico, and uh, South America, and mm-hmm. Europe, someone's riding around with, like, a cheap little snack and with the windows <laughs> down, perfect weather, and you're happy. And I think that's a beautiful thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So
1: I'm
0: about to ask a question, and I have a purpose for the way I ask this, and I'll explain it after I ask it. But if you had a magic wand, and what you're about to say would 100% come true, where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I ask it in this way, I want artists to kind of think about this question because this past February made the five-year anniversary that we asked that the Kelsey Ballerini before most people knew who she was. And what she told us back then is almost a hundred percent of how she's living right now. So she knew where she was going. And I always like to tell that story because I want artists to really think about where do they want to be in five years, you know, sort of get them to open up a little bit. So, if all bets were off, where would you be in five years?
4: I mean,
1: what what really drives me is, you know, I have a sister that has special needs, and I love her mm. a lot. And, um, you know, I have parents that are getting old and work really hard. I mean, they work to the bone every day. I, in five yeah. years, would like to have a house that has, like, a separate little guest house in the back for my sister that li- was close enough to, like, public wow. is where she works. She's a bagger and mm-hmm. have be able to pay for like a driver to take her to work and maybe go to like a go to vo- a volunteer program too and i would like to be able to tell my parents they can retire and maybe get have some kind of condo by the beach and have a little area in my yeah. house where like for 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 big holidays everybody can come over comfortably and with their spouse and and we can get together a couple times a year that's that's my dream
0: i love that i love that oh, one okay. yeah. because we yeah. We've, we've heard so many different where they wouldn't be in five years. I'm not sure if I've heard one like that. and that's I love that. That's a, that's a great one. <laughs> so if you, let's say you had a friend, and I've got two more questions for you. So let's say you had a friend of yours, and you heard him or her sing, and they, and they sound pretty good. Got, you could tell there's something special. Now, this would be pre-COVID advice, so keep that in mind. And let's say they got something special about them, and – um they, they've played maybe 20, 30 shows, so they're still getting their feet wet with shows, but they've gotten on that stage, and they've gotten what every artist says, that stage bug, and they look over the crowd, and the crowd's cheering, and they just know that they're in the right place. And they come to you, and they say, Angie, I feel like I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to help guide them the next two, three, four years?
1: I tell them, respond to every single email, every single comment, and mm-hmm. also, if you're going to spend money on recording something, have three sell it in advance, so that like make an actual budget for
3: mm-hmm.
1: what you're going to market it, which would be twice the amount that you're spending on the song or the album, and take a time to do what you can for free before you try to do what you can for money. Like there's a million uh, you can reach out to a hundred different publications for free. You can tell them your story. You can write it out. You can learn how to write a a press release, you know, using the Internet. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of sources. And respond to every single message, every DM, every email, and do that for years, and and you will be exactly where you want to be.
0: I love that. So as we come to a close here and finish with the last question, what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do?
4: Ooh, that's a big one. Um,
1: you know, I like I like getting personal. I think a lot of hosts try to stay away from the personal because they don't know and you see, we get what personal. that's going to be. Yeah, and I think that's very important because even uncomfortable issues deserve to be talked about, and that's how you get under the skin of mm-hmm. someone that may need to hear what you have to hear. I heard an interview yeah. with uh, – think it was carly pierce i could be wrong i'm pretty sure it's carly pierce and she was talking about this moment where she was around this group of girls and it was like famous and like kind of just starting Mm -hmm. out so it was like kelsey ballerini along with like her who had just lost a record deal at the time and like Mm -hmm. a bunch of other females who were all well known in the industry and they were going around basically like saying their name and saying kind of how they're doing right now and all of them were like well i just signed a record deal i just i just got a single out it looks like it's kind of charts. somebody (laughs) else was like oh yeah i just got bought a new house, blah, blah, blah. and it got to her and she had the choice of either saying, yeah, I'm doing good or she could be honest, which was she had just lost her record deal. She was 30 years old and she had Mm -hmm. no idea if she was going to be able to continue Mm -hmm. doing music. And she chose to be honest. And the second she said Mm -hmm. that, all of a sudden, everybody started saying the real parts of their life. And it takes somebody to be kind and give you the opportunity Mm -hmm. without judgment to say how you really Mm -hmm. feel and listen. And when you... Do that for an artist, you're healing them as much as you are mm-hmm. healing anybody that listens to the interview. So I I, I appreciate that yeah. you guys really talk about real issues and and talk about your own relationships and, and, and talk about the That's imperfections what, of life and how they. What get you beautiful. just
0: said is why we do it. Um, like um, one thing I've oh, and, yes, and
1: sometimes
0: fans of artists get upset with this because they're like, um, well, they he needs to focus only on the artist. I've I've seen the threads of people. And what they don't understand is when I tell a piece of our story, it opens that artist, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've learned to do is, is you know, I've learned to, to keep our story into each, each episode so that the artist can feel comfortable with sharing what's on their mind too.
1: Yeah. No, I think, I think you guys do a really good job of that.
0: And of course, our show, the tagline is called Up Close and Personal. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we end here, tell everybody how they can reach you.
1: You can reach me just at official Angie K. And I still check all my DMs and all my messages on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, but it's just at official Angie K. And I'd love to meet you.
0: And you know, we enjoyed having you on, and we look forward to having you back down the road.
1: I love that. That sounds great.
0: And we look forward to one day meeting you in Nashville, too. That would be
1: cool. That yes. would be great. I'm sure. i I give it a couple months, but I think we'll be back to normal sooner than people think.
0: Yeah, because uh, we're hoping we uh, so. yeah, to take like a trip in October. Our anniversary is October 5th, our 19th year anniversary, oh, fun. our 18th year anniversary. So we're planning on a, eight eight t- hopefully a trip around that.
3: Yeah, that hopefully sounds amazing. then. That'll be really fun. <laughs> All
0: right. All right, well we like All right, like I said, we enjoyed care. it and and you take care too. We'll talk to you real soon.
1: Sounds
2: Bye. good. Bye guys. Thanks. Bye.
1: Bye.